Let's get to our top story. News team, assemble! Let's get down, let's get down to business. And I got news for you. Today's top story comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. This one is uh, this one is loathworthy, Leon. At least it's loathworthy for me uh, because I got some extra shit to throw on top with this uh, sugar here, and that's the actual research that comes with it because that shit blew my mind. But let's get into the article. Why tipping prompts are suddenly everywhere. Shoppers encounter more requests for extra money from businesses they never expected. Breach. Tacking a 20% tip on top of a $4 croissant is one thing, but now tip requests are showing up for locksmiths, baby formula, and wedding dresses. It's getting ridiculous. A range of business owners adding the option for gratuity to transactions say these non-traditional tips help them stay afloat in a competitive job market. Moreover, they say the revenue generated from gratuity can help them avoid raising prices further. Consumers appear to be skeptical, but are paying for now. Will Fisher took the same road trip from Salt Lake City home to Spring Lake, New Jersey, two years in a row. While he didn't notice tip prompts at gas station mini-marts last winter, he saw them in about a dozen places he popped into for power bars and chips this time around. I just wanted an inner drink, not a whole moral crisis, says Fisher, who does underwriting for a financial tech company. He says he feels guilty saying no when the cashier is watching, so he tacks on an extra dollar about half the time. But this is a gas station off I-80 in the middle of nowhere, not a fancy restaurant in New York. Point of sale technology that lets businesses ask for a tip with just a tap is helping fuel the tip revolution. Consumer spending researchers and business owners say the pandemic also meant that employees who left the house to work put themselves at risk. Says Michael, well, says William Michael Lynn, a professor who studies consumer behavior and tipping culture at Cornell University's Nolan School of Hotel Administration. Employees are putting themselves at risk in order to service you. And so that may create a frame of mind and a habit that is going to carry forward. Before I go on, Leon, first thoughts. Absolutely right. This seeing, tipping has gotten tipping everywhere? out of control. It's out of control. It's out of control for everything. For things that have absolutely, I bought movie tickets the other day, bought movie tickets. Would you like to tip the person that you just bought movie tickets? Why? For what? For what? It's, it's asinine. And what I think personally is going to happen is people are going to stop going and frequently, frequent, frequently using these businesses because you do. They put you in an awkward position. They do. They put you in an awkward position. Like you're a jerk for not tipping. Or you become, you know, like our good friend Gabby, who refuses to do it. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Pink. I'm starting to go that direction because it's the servers. I get it. But it's this mean trick that somehow business owners flipped to make it seem like they're, you know, the business owners, we're, we're doing what we, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of my server. I'm going to make sure they have what they need. And, uh, and, you know, and pay them a salary, but you know, if they're not getting paid well, it's because of you, the consumer, you know, not taking care of them, which is total horseshit. Pay the people, pay the people and get rid of tipping and the best experience in it. How many burgers have you had? Would you say in the last five years, would you oh. say it's North of a hundred? Yes. Okay. Easy. I would, I would say myself it's North of a hundred as well. I can remember one burger one specific burger and I only ate half of it and it was in Manhattan (laughs) and and it was a good big juicy burger and I split it uh, with my buddy out there but this restaurant has a no tipping policy it was packed you are not allowed to tip and that was so refreshing that you just have that it's the whole 
uh, all-inclusive. You know, sometimes I'm getting to the point now where it's like, it's kind of wasted on me, the all-inclusives, mm -hmm. because I don't know that I'm really using it like I was when I was in college. But there is something to be said to say, I don't have to keep reaching in my wallet and having this anxiety <laughs> of how much am I spending because the tipping is absolutely out of control. And I hope the article gets to it. It used to be 10%, 15% if they're amazing. Then it became 17% if they're amazing, 15% standard. 20 has become the new standard. And now you're starting to see 22, 25% on these automatic machines or the receipts. The receipts have suggested tip amounts and they start at 18%. It's automated. It's automated. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I don't know how you write the ship other than becoming a business. And if, if a business comes around here and says, tipping not allowed, I'll probably frequent it more than any other tip any any other place. Sorry. I'm trying to continue. No, no, you're 100% you're there. Yeah, what I'm trying to find is I saved a post that I saw from a... Um, he's a marketing guy. He's a behavioral scientist. And he, he basically did uh, some market research. And the market research says, if you see a tipping prompt, you immediately like the business less. I believe no matter what. Yeah, immediately. It's tipping. Tipping is supposed to be an option. It's supposed to be something that, that you give of your own recognizance. But the idea of the software that you're using to pay prompting you for a tip, specifically if it's one of those point of sale kiosks where they turn it around and they give it to you. And then a tip mm -hmm. pops up and that's it. You're right there. You're on the spot. And our man from New Jersey is like, yeah, I see the guy looking at me because they can see if you tip or not. Oh, that's, yeah, the other, do. that's the other bullshit part. And so you basically got to look the person in the, in the eye and be like one of those cats that just pushes something off the table. Cause that's basically what you're doing is you're just going, yeah, that's for you. <laughs> Middle finger for those of you at home. <laughs> Well, we talked about it in past episodes. One of my favorite episodes of South Park. It wasn't about tipping, but it was about the donating, which I think is the same bullshit. Pretty close. Where it's like, do you do you want these people to starve? Uh, are you okay with rounding up? I'm like, well, it's 1201. So you're saying round up 99 cents? Yes. Well, get the fuck out of here. But that one South Park where he's he's like, they literally nailed it. They're like, oh, um, okay, you're not going to... You're not going to round up for the starving children. All you just need to do is just go ahead and pull that food out of that child's mouth right there. Okay, great. Nope, it's stuck. Yeah, you really got to pull hard. They're very hungry. Like, <laughs> that's so true. The, the guilt is unbearable. Sorry. The ass is what it is. So what the article goes on to say is businesses are adding the option for gratuity to transactions in non-traditional settings, such as gas stations, online retailers, and med spas. The business owner's dilemma is they say tipping helps them stay afloat in a competitive job market and avoid raising prices, but they also feel uncomfortable and worry about annoying customers. Yeah. Consumer skepticism. Customers are surprised and offended by some of the tip requests, especially when they have no interaction with the service provider or when the products are already expensive. Some of the factors Can I ask you a question? Trend. Go for it. How much do you tip when you go pick up or take out at a restaurant? I don't. But you, they always do that to you, don't 100%. they? Yeah, 100%. I'm like, you didn't serve anything. But then so, you, you have the argument, and I understand the argument. Well, they packed it all in there, and they gave you the silverware, and they made it look nice. Yeah, I, and I, I consider that part of the price of food. If if no I shit. am required to do something, then a tip is not involved. That's that's kind of where I come down on, on the whole tipping thing. And then you know, the Bobs out there, this is perfect time to chime in. 602-529-4562, bottleofbrown at gmail.com. Tell us what you think on this, because I believe... If I have to lift a finger, no tip. Ooh, I'm already paying. That's hardcore. Yeah. I'm already paying. So I go to a restaurant. I sit. 
everything is brought to me. I don't have to do anything. It's the food is brought to me. The food is cleared away. Yes, you get a tip. You did all the work. That is the purpose of being served. I consider it a luxury experience. I don't consider it an entitlement. I don't deserve that. So I go and I pay a little bit of extra. But in there's mm-hmm. scenarios where I have to do work, like I have to wait in line. I have to get involved in the ordering process. There's physical labor involved in some of these scenarios they're talking about. In Jersey, you have to let them pump your gas. You don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. So am I just going to not fill up gas in Jersey? Again, a tip should be optional. you know. Mm-hmm. And for those of you Bobs out there that say, well, you get taxed on it. Like, Why is that my problem? This is where I come down on get a different job. So we're, we're kind of casually quoting Reservoir Dogs here. But for those of you that don't understand, don't aren't familiar with the movie Reservoir Dogs, watch the opening scene where they're all at the diner and then watch Mr. White and Mr. Pink go back and forth. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's probably the best blue versus red discussion you're ever going to get because Mr. White clearly has the progressive left-leaning argument of, these are single mothers, they need this money. You know, and then on the other side is Mr. Pink, who's clearly the, the right-leaning conservative who says, so does the guy at McDonald's, you don't feel the need to tip him. Mm-hmm. So the idea is a tip, and of course, we don't have enough time, but we could go into the, the historical significance of tipping as it, as it goes to post-slavery, antebellum south we're not going to do that the automated system that prompts for a tip if you're not doing any extra work based on behavioral science i'm gonna try and find the link and throw it in the show notes is people get turned off by the business and they don't come Mm -hmm. back so all of the excuses that we're getting here about well i need to save my employees i need to stay competitive what you're doing is you're sending people somewhere else because if there is an option for a restaurant where tips are not allowed they're going to do exactly what leon did and i got news for you in europe it's included in the check in Japan, it's an insult. So this is clearly an American problem. Wait, I don't understand. How do they function if they don't get tipped? How does that work? How do they how do they make their ends meet if they're not getting tipped? Well, they get they get char they get so most servers from my and I would love it if Midge were here. Most servers get paid somewhere around two or three dollars an hour with the expectation of tip income. Yeah. And so you're charged something along the line of $12 an hour because of your expected tips. So the great part about being a server or a bartender or a barback or whatever is if you make more than $12 an hour, all that money is right off the top and you don't have to pay taxes on it. Hello, who just joined us? Well, we're not sure because he's Mr. Technical Difficulties too. Well, let's see. He looks happy. He does look happy. uh, Ear goggles. Yeah. No. Uh, Things are happening. Uh, He's making mouth motions, but we're not hearing any noise. I see see mouth motions. I'll tell you what, Mr. Jones, if you sign it, we will say what you're saying. (laughs) Since your your audio is not working. Why don't you use the chat feed? (laughs) What's that, Mr. Jones? He has no idea what we're saying. Yes, you need to take a shower. Yes. It's called Fomunda cheese. I know. It's, well, yes. it's Fomunda until you spread it on bread and then it's magic. <laughs> I think the best part is I don't think you can hear us either. And it's sweet with an A. Oh, he's and gone. He's, and he's gone. Well, maybe he'll come back. Hello, gentlemen. Hey! Uh, Mr. Jones joins us in the Bob Media Studios. We just finished a really interesting discussion and we'd love to hear your thoughts before we moved on to this next story, if that's okay. Let me close the door. This sounds quite interesting. Yeah. Turn the it's not on. that News interesting. I'm going to let Leon tee you up because uh, my glass is empty. All right. Well, I don't even have a glass right. yet. So, but I, after this, I'm getting a glass. Been a okay. Day. Well, this article we were just talking about and uh, we had passionate discussion on is about how tipping is getting a little out of control as now the POS systems 
are automatically calculating starting at 18 or 20% whether or not it's something that should be tipped or not and making people feel uncomfortable. Uh, And some business people have been talking about whether or not it's they, they want, it's the only thing that's keeping them alive in the competitive job market, but also they don't want to turn off their customers. So it's basically the current state of tipping in the United States. Mr. Jones, your opinion. Yeah, this is, this is a good topic. I'm not going to lie. Um, I see the point. There are restaurants out there that already include tipping no matter what you do. You sit down, you're giving a tip. And I know, uh, I remember at the golf tournament that we had, it was a heated discussion with one of the golfers I was sitting next to that was like, he was absolutely adamant. I don't tip ever. <laughs> and I'm just right like, there. I'm like, you're was a CEO of a big company, tech company. And you don't believe, I guess. But the point is, is it like, it's all up to the individual, but the, when it's taken out of your hands and now it's forced upon you, it's kind of, I don't know if you want to eat there, that's what it costs. It's kind of like added in there. But to the other side of it, the labor market is so hurt right now. And I could see why anything you can do to keep employees employed versus them moving on to somewhere else is uh, quite, quite interesting. We don't have a high unemployment rate considering all of what's going on right now and trying to staff quality people in establishments because it's, what was the meme I read recently? It was like, you could go to McDonald's and have a terrible experience and you'll still go back tomorrow, but you could go to a small business and have a bad experience and bash them to hell in social media for the rest of your life and never go back. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting. It's like, that's what you're competing against is yeah. McDonald's doesn't care. They got a next crop of, you know, 16 year olds coming in around the corner as employees and it doesn't matter. But when you have these small businesses and whatnot, trying to just not alienate, their their customer base. It's it's an interesting topic. I you know I do think when you first said this is this is an interesting topic. I think it is out of control though. Like if you buy a bagel or a hot dog or anything, yes. you tip it. And at what point is it excessive? Like it's is we're it, there. We're there. It, it's it's like to do anything. That was part of the service. We're there. Yeah, we've so made it's it. like it's ridiculous. Like I do see you know, that. I- the goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain. As you were, <laughs> you know, I know we're, we're beating this horse and we're kicking it and, and it's already got maggots in it, but I'm going to continue. Yeah, but I found more. the research. So let's keep going. So one thing that I realized that I realized too, and I, it's kind of one of those unspoken things. Everyone knows it goes on and it, and it helps out um, the, uh, the economy. Why, why do some people tip in cash as opposed to put it on their uh, credit? That's a big one. We all know I the t- reason. I t- yeah, I tip in cash. And why do you do that? Well, if you tip in card, less money goes to the individual Taxation because there's a charge theft. fee. And so Boom. the other side of it would be that you're giving more. Now, that being said, cash is king and you're giving then more money to an individual who doesn't pay taxes on it. It's, it's a tax shelter. And it's either way. And you could look at it. I look at it because I don't like paying fees to cons- more fees get taken out of what I'm trying to give somebody. A portion of that is going to go to the car- credit card company. It's mostly not. Yeah. It's fees, fees are fees, but most of it's taxes, right? We're hiding from yeah. the, oh, yeah. we're trying to help them hide from the taxes. That's what we do. And if that's really the issue here, all right, Uncle Sam, who's trying to help the little guy jump in in there and say, servers don't have to pay taxes. Ooh. Make it that well, much easier. If that's your job, then you don't pay taxes at a certain and drop, rate. drop taxes down back down to your, or taxes down to 15% because you know, they're trying to, sh- to, to ditch it anyway. So. Oh. Well, you can write on the receipt, I am giving you a tax-free gift, and it's perfectly legal. 
It's a lot of extra work mm-hmm. for you, the diner, but it's perfectly legal. All right. So check Good this point. out. I got, I'm going to put this up here from LinkedIn because I don't know the link to the actual study. Um, let's see here. It was Cabano and Atari, A-T-T-A-R-I, February, 2023. Don't tell me how much to tip the influence of gratuity guidelines on consumers' favorability of the brand. Journal of Business Research. Here's the basics. Many businesses recommend tip amounts of 450, or I'm sorry, 15-20%, like we're talking about in the article. And their goal is to speed up the payment process and help workers get more tips. But here's what scientists found actually happens. It does not increase tip amounts. In fact, it sometimes reduces them. And what's worse, people like a restaurant less. They're less likely to return. They're less likely to recommend or leave a positive review. Why? Suggested tip amounts threaten our freedom of choice. So we react negatively to that and the company. That's the behavioral science. And we, in a very meta format, are pissing and moaning about it because that's the behavioral science. Don't tell me what to tip. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. <laughs> All right. I'm glad you, you got in on the tail end of that, Mr. Jones. Uh, yeah. I, I, I wish I was in the heated debate at the beginning because it's, it, there's so much more questions like how much do you tip for this and what do you tip for that? Or what's, what's acceptable? What isn't acceptable? What is, yeah, it's crazy. Do you, that's tip- a fun sidebar and we may do that for make it a double. Like, the, here, the, here, here's my only point. Is I was it thinking like, that. Do you tip on the total or do you tip on the food without the drink? Do you like, like what point do you tip? Ooh. Like, and, and this is sitting down for a restaurant. So like, it's a different, because there's a lot of people in the science that says like, no, you only tip for what the food is. So you don't tip for the, for the, for the, for the drinks. Let's say you bought a bottle of wine. That's stupid. Like why, why, why I bought a hundred dollar bottle of wine. I got to give you 20 bucks for going corking the thing. That's fucking stupid. So, but it's just, it, it, it plays into this whole and thing. Drinks like, provide the most margin of the house. And they do. So it's like, why am I paying money for that? Why? Well, and am I, a, like, well, yeah, I think, let's say they open, if a bartender, this is the age old if a bartender opens up a bottle of course like two dollars three dollars or opens up nine an exotic ipa that's nine ten dollars how much differently did they open one versus the other but the expectation is that you tip one for one dollar and the other for two dollars very true why why it's ridiculous and we just kind of accept it we just go yeah yeah that seems right how much was the total yeah that seems right you should be tipping a dollar a drink now and that's for just opening a beer. Now, if you're mixing drinks, if you're, if you're fucking Tom Cruise and, and, and throwing drinks around and making magic happen and making a show. Okay. Okay. You earned a good tip. Yeah, but, but then you're paying enough. for the show. You're not paying for the drink. Yeah. Figured out. Can, can I just ask out. one question with a show of hands? Have you guys ever been followed by a bartender and then scolded in the parking lot for not tipping enough. Yes. I was on General yes. Tizzo in Venice. You have too. Santa Barbara for me. No kidding. I still remember it. Yeah. Guy chased after me because he's like, hey, thanks for the tip. And I was like, I actually gave you money. Like, what do you want from me? Yeah. You got paid, didn't you? You got paid. Did he, did he feel better about himself at the end of that? You know, you don't know General, what people are General going Tizzo through that day. And Venice and you don't know Beach who they are. on the boardwalk. And we stopped into a little cafe right on the boardwalk. Uh, there was outdoor seating and I just wanted a beer. I didn't care. It was just whatever you got. And, uh, and the girl came out and she was wearing yoga pants, whatever. I didn't think a thing of it. She seemed nice. She was friendly. Um, but then General Tizzo had gone to the store to get a Gatorade. And so he popped in to sit down with me 
bear in mind, I had ordered the beer by then. So she brings my beer. She sets it down and she says to him, you can't have that here. It's outside food. And he said, we're outside. And she said, yeah, but it's outside food. You can't bring outside food. And he's like, we're outside. What, what do you want me to do? Stand over there? She's like, yeah, you have to stand over there. And he said, but my friend just ordered something. Uh, and she said, sorry, policy. And he went, okay. And so he ordered a beer. And then even after he ordered a beer, she said, that's great. Can you put the Gatorade over there? And he's like, I just ordered a beer too. I am also a paying customer. And she said, company policy. And so at the end of the round, he paid, didn't tip. And we're walking our way down the boardwalk and she chased us down. Literally the reason why you wouldn't tip somebody. Right yeah, there. basically, you you completely fucked yourself. Like you chased us down. She chased us down to get to get a better signature, and she said, "By the way, thanks for that." And he was like, "Didn't even look at her; just went whoosh, shoved it in her face." And I'm sure it was one of those moments, like James Caan and The Godfather. Like if he had a pa- like a pile of cash, he just would have went whoosh, 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 pick it up off the ground. You know what's sad about this is that we're missing like the the career waiter of of our friend group, and that's the midge. Oh, he, we he, talked. We, we talked we about said. this. We missed Midge on this yeah, one. Yeah, I okay, okay, dropped so. out at the last minute. It, it's got maggots and things are turning into flies at this point. All right, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I need a drink, Joe, and so we got to end this segment. All right. All right. Let's, let's, let's put a pin in it. If we got time and energy, we'll come back to it. Okay. Well, that wraps up our top story. We have been waiting for this for oh, a week and a half. And I got to tell you, I'm so goddamn excited. Is it time? Is it time? And I hope... Oh, it's Todd. He hasn't had too much Elijah Craig that we don't have enough runway for this plane to take off. A little bit of context. The PGA Tour, for those of you, Bobs, that are non-golfers, and there can't be too many of you, but if there are, the PGA Tour was like most other sports that are professional. There was a monopoly. They were the only game in town. Along comes the Saudis who bring this new golf tour, quote unquote, called Live Golf. And there was a a hootenanny. There was fisticuffs. There was competition in the space. And after almost a year of back and forth, back and forth, they merged. And that is what brings us to Leon Lowe's. So far, Danny, I haven't heard a single logical reason. No, no, don't accept this. It's frustrating. And we haven't cured cancer. We have not cured cancer. I don't know the answer. I'm just ranting about it. Leon, the floor is yours. So I'm going to need help from both of you guys visually because in the next room, I have Triple B and my princess trying to sleep. So I'm going to try to talk at dulcet tones, but this is such an aggravating topic for me. I said, bitch. So just, you know, raise your hands. So that you can, so that I can bring myself back down because I know <laughs> as I start to talk, it will elevate to a point. So let me set the stage. I think you did a great job, Danny. Right. I'm in. Let's do it. So <laughs> yes. Great introduction, Danny. I'm a massive golf fan. That's, that's my sport. Massive. Been to many events. Yes. I love football. That's fun. But I casually like all the time I'm checking in what's going on the golf. I've met a lot of the golfers and geeked out by a lot of the golfers. I think it's the toughest sport in the world to play. You met Fred Couples. Not physically. I've met Fred Couples. I've met them all almost at this point, you know, in my careers. And uh, and I think I have a different level of respect for the tradition of PGA, which is when not even a year and a half ago, and there's whispers of this possible spinoff league that was going to happen two or three years ago uh, that could have happened. And I thought, no fucking way, no fucking way would the people who represent the sport shit on their own legacies and leave their, well, first you got to learn about what are they going to do different? Is it just another golf league that's 
paid a different way. No, they have different, a totally different setup. You're like, okay, like the real golfers are going to stay. Maybe the, you know, the people that are just trying to make it. When Live launched and everyone knew that the Saudis had money when they launched it, but they had no idea the massive amount of money they threw at it. And for the first time in my adult life, I thought, you know, I have real respect for people because money always fucking talks. There's always a price for everyone. You think Logan Roy money and wins. yeah, money always wins. And, and when you have an unlimited bank account, and this is the money we're talking about, the numbers out there are $500 million. They paid Phil Mickelson, who's 50, one or 52, maybe 55. I don't know. Somewhere in that range. He's they at the end of his Tiger career. $700 million. They offered Tiger the 700 million. Lionel Messi, the number one soccer player in the world by most regards, was offered 400 million to come to Saudi Arabia. No, 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 no. No, it was a billion. One and a quarter billion. It wasn't yeah. four. And he got Ronaldo. Off. Was Ronaldo no. 400? He turned it down. He because turned down one and a quarter billion. Because he's a wonderful, wonderful human being who gives a shit about his legacy. So well, he'll make Saudis, more money. He'll make more money on the other side, but eventually. But maybe it's he like will. who gives maybe a shit? He will, like, but, but when you're talking about it? that kind of money. It, it doesn't matter. Like you're really like, going to spend that in your lifetime. Done. Like Tiger, he he's he's if he's not a billion, he might be a billionaire already. I think he is actually. He might have crossed the billion. The Messi money Jordan. was over a billion. Yeah, it was one point one and okay, a quarter so that's, billion. That's what the Saudis are throwing. They have so much money, and what are they trying to do with this money? They're trying to wash their horrible reputation, and it's not like they're trying to fix their reputation like in house, like stop stoning women and like <laughs> stop you know shooting gays in the head and you know all that kind of stuff killing journalists they're not they're not trying to make themselves better what they're trying to do is wash their reputation in the world because they want to do they know at some point the liquid dinosaur bones are going to run out and they're going to have to enter the world economy on different a different footing which is very smart the problem is they're still fucking assholes and they are trying to buy their way in to the global economy with all their money and the people that it's literally blood money. It's literally gross, dirty, horrible money, but they have a lot of it. So then you have to start saying, what's my price? All the people that started going into, they called it the live tour when they launched it and they were going to make it this big, exciting party tour and they were going to make it so fucking exciting except for nobody would watch it. The ratings were so shit that they, they couldn't, they had to pay the WB just to put them on. They had to pay them. Nobody pays them. Nobody pays networks to put sports on. It goes the other way. They had to pay Warner Brothers just to put their bullshit on this year because nobody would watch it because everybody knew what it really was. They went and bought the souls of people and it was a lot of money. And at first, when people started going into that route, they, the golfers were like, well, they're expanding the game. And, you know, this is how you grow the game. And everyone's like, bullshit. And then a couple golfers finally go, you're, you're right. I didn't leave to grow the game. I left for money. I left for money. And you're like, okay, at least you respect your honesty. You're still a fucking asshole, but I respect your honesty. And it became this huge divide. And Jay Moynihan, and I'm going to say his name a couple times because fuck this fucking guy he 
is the head of the PGA. And he rallied all the troops when this started happening, this hostile takeover and said, if you guys, anybody who leaves the PGA tour and goes to live, you're fucked. You can't come back. You leave, you can never come back. You can't play in the majors, which is the most important thing for your legacy. You can't play in the Ryder Cup, which is the most important thing for your country. You can't play in this shit. You're done. You can go collect your money and you can go play with the Saudis and have a great time, but you cannot be part of this sport anymore. And I was like, way to go, Jay. That's how you do it. And people left and they understood the repercussions of their leave. They said, okay, I'm selling my soul. I'm doing this for my family. And that's why I'm doing it. And there's a couple pluses that I do want to call out. I'm not going to say the sport that Liv created is completely negative. There's a few things I do like. I do like that they do a shotgun start. And if you don't know what that means, it means all the players start at the same time, just on a different hole. So you can almost watch an entire round of golf in one sitting which is great because now if you really want to watch the U S open, you got to watch it from six 30 AM till eight o'clock at night. Cause that's how long it is. That's, that's ridiculous for most viewers. So I understood that that's, that makes sense, but they did it three days. They don't have a cut and they met the modified a couple rules. They modified a couple dress codes. It's a different, it's different. So because it's different, you don't qualify for the same thing that the rest of the, the sport people are playing. You don't get to qualify for that. You're playing something fucking different. Oh, and by the way, you pay, you play 12 times a year. That's great for your health. I understand you get to hang out with your family and I understand why people took it. They got to hang out with their family more and they got a ton of money, but the money you took, you should be a fucking ashamed of yourself. And if you ever gave a shit about the golf, the, the sport that you actually spent your life trying to play, if you gave a shit about that, you wouldn't have gone. And that is the heart of what everybody was supporting PGA. We said, we understand they're not going to make as much money. And I had more respect for the golfers there. And it turned into villains and anti-villains. It really did. Literally 80% of the people, the golfers that went to live, I hated them anyway. They're fucking pricks. And it just solidified that the ones that are going over there are the shitty people. Some of them needed it. Some of them were at the end of their sunsetting their career. It made financial sense, generational wealth, got it. But if you stayed and there are people that stayed that got offered loads of money. I mean, we're talking quarter billion, half a billion, generational wealth, and they turned it down. And you look at these people and like, your integrity is off the charts, which by the way, golf tries to tout that they are the sport of integrity. They are the sport of gentlemen gentlewomen and people of respect and you treat each other with respect and it's all about sportsmanship. You know, you don't see the shit that you see in NASCAR where they're like punching each other after a race because they cut them off. You don't see fights. Like it is a game of respect and tradition and live. Fuck that. So this divide was very staunch. It was so bad that live golf, even all their money couldn't get a viewer to real viewership. Nobody wanted to watch it. Nobody wanted to watch that sport. And and Jay Moynihan, I'm bringing bring him up again, the head of the PGA, he had meetings with the players. The PGA, it's the Players Golf Association. It's a union of golfers, right? And he is the head of that union of golfers. Do I think they're corrupt? Yes, I do. 
because I think anybody with money and power will eventually turn into corruption. That's that's a fact. It's not even assumed anymore. It's just what happens. Look at any government in the world. Look at any anybody with a ton of money. That's what's going to happen. So I'm not like patting them on the back for doing all the right thing for the golfers. I'm not going to do that. But what I will say is that at least they were trying to uphold the traditions of the sport. They make slight changes here and there, but they uphold the traditions of the sport. Then Jay Moynihan, who who went on national television and even told fucking the 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 surviving families of 9-11, which, by mm. the way, mm. 9-11 was funded by the Saudis and told them to their faces that we are we completely abolish what's going on over there and basically fuck the Saudis. And I'm like, way to go. I've never been prouder of the sport that I love to watch. And then out of nowhere, blind to the entire Players Association, the people that stood firm, who didn't take the money, the people that kept the sport where it needs to be, were blindsided by this Jay Moynihan, who had a secret meeting in London with a Saudi prince. I don't give a shit what you think. Money was exchanged. Low jobs were had. <laughs> Shit went down. And this motherfucker comes back without telling anyone and says, we're merging. We're merging. After an entire year of campaigning, saying that these are fucking blood-sucking assholes, these people take their money and they, they, they knock down buildings with it and they shoot reporters with it. And this money is dirty and horrible and we are against it. He literally was bought and he bought and made the merger and none of the other golfers in the PGA knew anything about it until it came out on social media and us, the fans went, what the fuck is going on? I was on team PGA and now we're all they're all merged together now. And now these players that took the money get to come back and play. And the people that didn't take the money will fuck you for being stupid. That's, that's pretty much the message that went on. It is disgusting. It is tarnished and ruined the sport. I love, I was actually, I'm, you know, I'm in Southern California. The U S opens up there in LA. I was going to go fuck that. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to give them a dollar of my money. I'm going to watch on TV because it's the U S open, but I'm not going to go give them money. Fuck them. They ruined in one move the credibility of the entire sport. And I can't blame the players because they were blindsided. And now they're just sitting there with their dicks in their hand trying to say, well, well, you got to be shitting me. You told us to rally around each other, take less money, but for the right reasons. And here you are over there making a deal. I'm furious. I'm livid, pun intended. Total fucking disaster. They ruined my sport. I'm, I'm, this is a week and a half after it, by the way. This is how emotional I am. A week and a half after it. And then you motherfuckers love to troll me with your bullshit live memes. They've ruined my sport. Because we love you. It's because they're doing it to my sport too. So I'm dragging you into it. I'm sorry. I think that integrity is gone. I think when I, for when I actually thought for a second that I had a little bit of faith in humanity and what is right and money's not the most important thing, I'm completely slapped in the face. And so is millions of people slapped in the face to show you money is everything. Money always wins, always. And to listen to this motherfucker, Jay, backtrack and try to look at everyone in the face who he was the biggest advocate to say, we're not going to these scumbags. 
They're horrible, murderous dickheads. And then go, you know what? We're going to be the same. We're going to, we're going to merge. It's okay. Everything's okay. There are other things at, at play. I think there was a lot of lawsuits and uh, monopoly busting lawsuits going on and lawsuits are expensive. I personally think that money was a, the biggest driver, but I also think when you get into lawsuits, you get into discovery, nobody wants to open up their books, especially the Saudis or the PGA and show everybody what they're doing behind the scenes. And so when it got real scary for the executives, they said, Hmm, let's make a deal. I don't want everyone to see the pool I built on the PGA's money or the plane I bought on the PGA's money and why we didn't put it into the uh, tournament. And I think they both felt that way and the lawsuits were getting messy and they were going to be a long drawn out thing. And that's not enough. That is the, I can, I can pinpoint the day integrity died in the sports world. And it was 10 days, 10 days ago. That's my fucking loathe. Fuck live. Fuck live golf. Fuck PGA. Well, this, uh, this echoes a previous conversation that we had in the pod with regards to, uh, with regards to the Twitter purchase. And it's kind of going to what the Donald is facing right now is it's all fun and games in the court of public opinion until court gets involved. And once you get in front of the judge, shit gets real, real, real fast. Uh, I agree 100% with your comments on Jay Moynihan. Fuck that guy. That guy should die a painful death in a shallow grave. Because when you hold the hands of the widows of 9-11 while you're secretly negotiating to line your pockets, that is the 12th level of hell. Yeah. Well, let me ask Fuck you this, because I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked Mr. Jones regarding his sport. Has the oh, I game got more on my sport, by the way. fundamentally changed for the worse? Because it, it's I the think PGA retains the same structure. Has it changed the way the game is played? Live is. at Live golf is different. So has this new entity adopted the shotgun start and all that? Yeah, there's a lot. I I just named off a couple of salaries are going down and the purse is going down now that Liv doesn't have to shower money to compete. Right. But I, but yes, live golf is fundamentally different. There's fundamental differences. Uh, I can't, I can't rattle them all off. Um, but there's no live anymore, right? No, there is still live there. There's still live golf and PGA golf. At least that's the way the beginning of the merger is. Ah, What they're saying is they don't know how they're going to reconcile at this point. They're going to have to bring in the membership. Of course, they're going to have to bring in the membership. Why the membership didn't have to vote on this merger. I have no fucking idea. I don't know how Jay Moyan had the sole authority to make such a decision. The board didn't even know the negotiations were going on. The board had no idea. Dude, the the fucking spokesman for Liv, the shark, Greg Norman, who yeah. fuck that guy. He didn't know. He didn't know. Nobody knew. So it's a it it's all a happened big, in a back room. Yeah, yeah, it's a big back room thing. Which is why everyone's so yeah with not, the with the chairman yeah, of upset, the uh, with the Saudi public fund. Right? No, it's, it's a the, it's uh, a it's a catastrophe. And yes, Liv is fundamentally changed. I mean when you take a four-day tournament, which is very important, and make it three days, that's, it's not the same. It's like taking baseball and saying, well, baseball is now six innings. Well, is it six. the same game? No. Is it the same game? It's not the fucking same game. If, if you're saying there's no cuts, is it the same game? No, it's no. not the same game. Part of the, part of the uh, allure of golf was to say, you got to at least be the top 50% if you want a paycheck. That's awesome. That's awesome awesome but that's like one of the bigger points that's changing like that is one of the points that at least in what i've understood is that that is one thing that's changing now a lot of what does the what does the sport look like going forward not not this to today 
right? The U.S. Open started today, not what it stays today, but what it will look like going forward is one of the things is more payment to lower players as they're developing, more rookies getting paid, maybe first year, second year rookies collecting some money while they don't make the cut, but at least they get something. So it preserves the sport in the future. You asked what's good. There's one point that's good, but I don't think the P sadly, the PGA didn't have the money to do that. I think that's bullshit. They had the money. They just need to cut it down from what the purses were. So a guy who makes less than a million dollars and that million dollars gets split to the guys that are, you know, a rookie two, three years in at least gave him something. But, um, I think the one thing that really stirs me the most about this whole thing is the chairman now of this new entity, which combines live and PGA is the Saudi sovereign's fund chairman. Like, no, it isn't. It's Jay Moynihan. No, it's not. It's the other guy. The chairman of the merger is the guy that runs the Saudi wealth fund. Yeah. But chairman of the merge company. I'm not saying it's the shots. There is that. They own 60%. Yeah, but then you have the guy that basically is the merger side. So you gave him a seat at the table. Oh, yeah. You gave him a seat at the table. You gave this blood sucking asshole a seat at the table. I mean, how to to morph the sport. The end of the table. They could give two shits about. Well, it's just one of the sports they're trying to crack into. So I love the low. Yeah, talk about that, because they own Newcastle, right? They do own Newcastle. Um, The Saudi Sovereign's Fund has looked at sports as being what can they invest into? And it was arrogance by the PGA to say that we're untouchable. No one can really compete with us until all of a sudden someone came up. I, I heard that it's kind of the analogy of, well, all of a sudden you have this silicon startup all of a sudden taking down the, the 10,000 pound gorilla and able to topple them. Well, that's kind of what the Saudis did here in some ways is that, you know, they they found an opening and they drove themselves through it. In the world of soccer, they basically have picked two sports to really go after. And one is one is soccer. And so you've seen that in the last World Cup, Qatar hosting. Ronaldo. Yeah. Well, And then Ronaldo signing over in Saudi Arabia. So it's always been this, we have the shinier, more cool thing in Saudi Arabia in the Persian Gulf area. Um, And so, yes, they went out and they purchased Newcastle. And if any of the Bobs know, is that Newcastle was kind of adrift for a bit. They actually got relegated out of the Premier League. And they is a real kind of black eye because they're a premier club. They, they should never be out of top tier football. They should always be in top tier football. It's way the North is huge. They should always be in it. And they went adrift. The shocking thing is they come back into Premier League football and they took fourth, which means they just made Champions League. You you want the coveted spot. Top four in the Premier League is the coveted spot. They did it. And it only means it's only going to grow. In this, it just continually steps themselves forward in where are they going with this. And now they've started to sign a lot of top tier players. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conte, I think um, Conte just went over as well as uh, Benzema. And it's just shocking. So it, it gets to your point. What is the quality and what I'm willing to watch? It's the same thing with live. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Is that like, I'm fearful that all of a sudden we're going to get some kind of transition. They're going to sign these big players. I'm like, I'm not going to watch Saudi football. I could care less that Ronaldo scored a goal. Like it's uncompetitive to me. Right. I will take it down then a little bit further. And this could upset a few bobs. I don't care for the cheating, conniving, and overall unlawful use of money that corrupts my sport. And I saw this firsthand last week. Manchester shitty, as I know them, but some call them Manchester City, won the trouble, which means they won their league, EPL, 
they won the FA Cup, which is the coveted tournament in England. And then they won the Champions League. Manchester United did this. And it was it's a huge celebration for to win all three in England. You can do it in Spain. You can do it in Italy. It's, it is it is nice to do. It's a dominant thing, but very tough to do. It's only happened twice. So looking at this, this just happened. Why I bring it up is there's 116, 150 counts of violations of fair play. Manchester City is owned by Abu Dhabi. It's basically the owners only showed up to two games in his whole time ever owning the team. It's just a shiny tool in his toolbox. So what we see here is they have used and manipulated and tried to disguise how they get their revenue so that they can sign players and have expenses that are higher than what they actually can afford. And they lie about it. And that's where the fair play overall is viewed. And they've lied about it. What you see now is that the corruption of this. They have a lot of lawsuits. A lot of things are going to drag out. Will anything happen? Your sport's under attack. My sport's under attack by all this. What will it look like afterwards? I can't tell you. But when you talk about courts, you see settlements. What are they going to do? Buy the EPL contract? I don't know. There's a lot out there. It's just nuts. Why do we like sports? It's our form of drama outside of watching daytime TV. I think one of the reasons we like sports is because it's unscripted. It's pure and it's authentic. And nothing else in our fucking world is. We're lied to to all the time. Mm-hmm. And one of the worst things, the thing that pisses us off the most about sports is when it's rigged. Can you think of a worse thing that when a sports yeah, rigged, like sports when a boxing match pure. is rigged? It's pure. Yeah. It's people who give a shit laying it all out to win. And that's, we are dealt with in our entire lives, people lying to us all the time. Yeah. And we're navigating it like, oh, do I trust you? Do I trust part of what you're saying? How do I... It's exhausting. And then you get to come home and have a bottle of brown sitting next to you and you watch a sport that's authentic and you know that the golfing team or the football team or the European football team slash soccer team or baseball team or hockey team, those guys are laying it out, their bodies, their families, their livelihood to win. And when the last thing you have that's pure is taken, it's it's a level of disappointment and sickness. And I'm so sad that we are allowing just people that are dripping in money to take that from us and laugh all the way. Because it's it's what we got. That's all it doesn't matter if you're the poorest person or the richest person, you have a love and affinity for something. I don't care if it's Formula One or, or soccer. Be fair. Yeah. It's fair. It's fair. It's fair. The rules are set. The regulations are set. Everything, everyone knows the rules and you get and sit and watch the drama where everybody's playing by the same rules because we don't get to do that in real life. There's too many advantages and disadvantages put in front of us, but not in sports. The rules are set. Agreed. And a lot of the arguments that we ever have are when the rules don't feel set. Like when you, when you watch a basketball game or a finals game, you're like those motherfucking referees, they were rah, rah, rah. like the rules weren't set. They didn't, they didn't apply the rules fairly across the board. That's the arguments we have, right? That's the gripe whether we or not have, it was interference. whether or not it was or not. Right. That's what we argue about because that's why we like sports and that's a fun debate, but it's a light debate. Like, so you had a, a referee that had a bad day, it happens. but a row, an umpire misses okay. a call, whatever. 
moving on. Shit, shit happens, right? The yeah, strike zone is this big. The strike zone is this big. You know, you, you, well, at least he's being fair. But to have an outside entity just completely shred and warp something that you love and the thing that you looked forward to and that was your escape, it's debilitating and it's exhausting and it's frustrating. And, and I just, I hate it. I hate it more than anything. So, yeah, more than your usual loathe. Leon, I can tell this one cut deep. So well, I feel something to everybody. I think you need to you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention right now. I think everybody knows. Like, like get it. The, the U.S. is fucked up right now with our social wars that was going on. Everyone's like so distracted by, you know, rainbows and taxes. Okay, fine. There's bigger things afoot going on. You know, pay attention. It's our escape. It's our escape. What's going on? Like the world powers are shifting right behind us and we're not even paying attention to it and the things that you loved and things that made you comfortable are going away and that is what is really resonating with me right now because 20 years ago no fucking way would the saudis ever try bullshit like this but we gave them all our money Mm -hmm. and we're still paying five to seven dollars a gallon at the, the pump well done Liam. well done amen This place is dead anyway, man. <laughs>